Now look at this one, number two. They heard the word, they received the word, and let her be the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Some people's goal in life is just to be rich. So if that's your goal, you're going to do whatever it takes to get rich. And so it consumes you. And you may get rich, but at what price? It's better to be a good soul winner as you go through life and keep laying up treasure in heaven because you don't know down here if you'll ever be really rich or really poor, and that's not the key, is do you bear fruit? Will you bear fruit? So he says there's the deceitfulness of riches. Look at letter D. And the lust of other things. And here's three little words. Choke the word. It chokes it. These believers do not grow, nor do they produce fruit. So there's people who don't bear fruit because they've been choked by the cares of this world. Other things has got their attention. And so they get sidetracked. So a letter E there, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh, here's the word, unfruitful. So there's reasons why they don't bear fruit. But God wants them to bear fruit. The purpose of sowing the seed and people believing on Christ is so that you can grow and be fruitful. God wants Christians to bear Christians. I have more Christians. Sow the seed. Look at the next statement. Number three, the stony ground is a believer who hears the word but endure a short time. But, you know, they start off sometimes like a rocket. And they die just as fast. You ever seen sparklers when they shoot them off at 4th of July? Goes way up there. Boom! That's the way some Christians are. It's better to have a nice, smooth, steady rise with the Lord and get steady and stronger with the Lord and maintain that for the rest of your life. So number three, the stony ground is a believer who hears the word but endures a short time when afflictions, you know, problems, persecution, because you decided to serve the Lord, but things go bad. Not everybody loves you. You got ridiculed or something went wrong. Somebody mocked. And if somebody hurt somebody's feeling, they're easy offended. The roots didn't go deep because the ground, well, it was stony ground. But just enough that they believed, they heard the word, but they become unfruitful. And so they do not grow and they do not bear fruit. Because, see, if you don't sink your roots deep into the Word of God, and what you have to look at is we're like tender plants, and the Word of God is like rocks. And your roots have to go around these rocks in the Word of God. And you fasten onto those things, and that's what makes you solid. You know what you believe. And when the wind blows, you stand firm and strong, and you may bend, but you snap back to your original position because you know what you believe. But if you're not deep in the Word of God, and all you are is just a surface Christian, you don't really 
study deep into the scriptures and you're just a shallow, shallow Christian. That your roots do not go deep in the word of God. And so you know a little bit, but you know it's in the Bible, but you never know where and your knowledge doesn't work for you. And so therefore you're only as strong as the last wind that came along and whichever way it's going to push you. And so many of God's children are not very strong. Now, what kind of ground are you? Now, we know that we're told to feed the flock. So look at the next statement. Calvary Community Church is a family-oriented church. Isn't it true that we want to have something in a ministry for the little kids? Is that true? Do we want to have something for the little older kids? Yes, we do. Do we want to have something for the teenagers? Do we want to have things for the adults? We got camps. We're trying to figure out every way we can, but we want to have and be a family-oriented church. And we want to be a church with a heart. Well, we have a heart for everybody. Now, if you look here on these notes, we want to do everything to encourage family worship and service. When it is possible, we like to see husband and wife teams serving in a different ministries or in the different ministries of the church. The Bible studies that we have offered by the church and your own personal study of the scriptures will greatly help you grow in the Lord. Everything that you learn at church is not to be a substitute for your own personal study, your own personal time that you have between you and God. Uh, nobody can make you strong. We can only teach the word. It's your being good ground that receives it and thinks about it, meditates upon it, and it, let it change your life. Remember, you do not know the Bible until the Bible controls your life. If the Bible does not control your life, you don't know the Bible. You can study and quote every verse in the Bible, but until the Bible controls you, you don't know it. Because it reveals itself to you and everything that it promises and the joy that it has and the warning that it has when you heed what it has to say. If you don't heed what it says, you're hearers of the word but not doers of the word. And he says, this man shall be blessed in his work. And if you don't heed it, then you're not going to be blessed the way the Bible says. So it's study the scriptures so that you can prove to be an acceptable laborer for the Lord, fit for the master's use. And if you will, you'd be surprised what God will do for your life. Look at the next statement. We do believe it is acceptable for ladies to teach ladies in the church under the supervision of the elders. We do not believe that women should usurp authority over the man by becoming pastors, elders, or deacons in the church. They are not permitted to do that. That is wrong, and there's a lot of churches that don't see anything wrong with that. But I'm not pastor of those churches. They can do whatever they want to do. But here we believe that there's a limitation. Now look at this verse. But now don't stop reading it halfway. Read the whole verse all the way. Where it says, please note 1 Timothy 2, verse 11 and 12. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. But be in silent. And we will not have or tolerate in the ministry women having or usurping authority over the man. 
There's women who can do things, but they're not to usurp authority. That means to take from the man and usurp authority. It's not good in the home either. I don't like it in the government either. But I do believe that there is a place. Now look at the next statement. A scriptural prohibition against women teaching men or usurping authority over the man cannot be taken to prohibit women from teaching women. Why? Well, look at the Bible. Look what the book says. Titus chapter 2, verse 3. The aged women, it doesn't say exactly how old that is. I have an idea. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So can women teach? Well, the Bible says they're to be teachers of good things. Now get the next verse. That they, women, may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So there's a lot of things that the older women can teach to the other women. And I've never really done too well of just teaching women. I don't mind it, but I believe if, uh, you know, women understand women. Men understand men. But in a, a congregation, it, no, it doesn't matter. I can talk to anybody. But I do believe that when it comes to women, there's some things women can talk about better than a man telling them. And sometimes I've listened to some men, and there was a one man that I knew, and he was the professional when it comes to marriage. And he would always tell people about marriage life. And he wasn't married. I think you have a better understanding if you were. And then you also have people who are the experts on how to raise children. You ever met anybody like that? And then they don't have any children? Well, if, if I was married and had children, my kids would never do that. And you just laugh because you know you got so much to learn. So I guess you could uh, say, well, I, I understand and I got a philosophy. Yeah, but not until your kids become teenagers until you really start maturing in the Lord and find out what you know and don't know. That will really bless your little pea-picking heart. And then I believe that we are to warn the flock because there's a lot of things that you need to be warned about. You see, if you only feed the flock, well, then you fatten them for the kill. But if you only warn the flock, you starve them to death. So you have to have a balance feeding and warning. So that's why we try to warn you against people that we believe are not clear on the gospel and that they're wolves in sheep's clothing. I believe some of these. I believe they're wolves in sheep's clothing. I don't even think they put on the sheep's clothing. You can just spot them so easy. And there's a lot of people that are teaching things that are not true. There's a lot of women on radio, believe it or not, teaching things that are not true. And so I don't, I don't like that. I don't think it's good. But women can teach women, and I have no problem with that because God doesn't have a problem with it. I don't like women usurping authority, taking something away from the man and stealing. I don't think that's honoring. And I don't believe that God meant for them to be the elders and the deacons and so forth. 
Now, the Bible did say that they were deaconesses. Deaconesses. We'll get into that some other time. But look down at the bottom. To warn the flock. Another task of the pastor and the elders is that of warning the flock. And so he says here, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. In other words, they just rip people to shreds. Believe it or not, since I have been here, and people that, you know, they come and they stay for a while and then people go, but uh, there's been people who have called me on the phone, wrote me letters, trying to straighten me out how me and Dr. Hank Lindstrom never really understand the truth of the scriptures and that because we use a Schofield reference Bible, we are really in left field and we are poisoning the people's minds and that because we teach the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation period, uh, there's people who are taking a very strong stand and saying that we just don't understand prophecy. And I have people who will write me and give me scripture as though I've never seen that before. I don't know many verses in the Bible that I have not read or studied. And sometimes people say, it's like you try to witness to somebody, say, evidently you never heard of James chapter 2. A couple thousand times. And they say, well, you know what, over there it says, uh, and I'll tell them where it's found. I said, you mean James 2.14? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I never heard of it. And so you have people who are always trying to straighten you out. And so you try to warn the flock. And we want you to be strong. We're not trying to just attack somebody. And they say, if you tell a person the flock, that's, that's a wolf. If you tell them too soon, they don't see that it's a wolf. And they, well, I don't see anything wrong with that person. I know. But you're not the shepherd. I watch and see what I believe they're headed toward. What is it going to cause? And so sometimes there's, there's wolves, but the flock may not know and recognize that's a wolf. And so they condemn you for saying something that they don't see. I don't see that. But if you wait too long, and then they rip the flock apart, you think, well, why didn't you say something? So you see, you get in trouble if you say it, before or you said after. Sometimes you just can't win. Now, this is the reason why, since I've been here, I'm doing as much as I possibly know how. I wanted to have Sunday school classes because it teaches the teachers how to teach. It helps them to have a class to gain some responsibility. And they got their own little, you know, little flock. To, to work with and to help and to teach and to pray for and, and, and to look after. And I think that it's, it's a good thing because not only do the people learn something from somebody else, they're also growing in the Lord because now every week they have to prepare a Sunday school lesson and it puts a little pressure on them. And then when they're not here, Whoever's in charge after them has got that blessed opportunity to speak in their place. So they have to learn, and they study. And buddy, there's nothing as much pressure that when Saturday night comes and you're not ready. And you've got to get ready, and you're not ready. And you waited to the last minute, 
And Sunday morning's coming. Sunday morning's coming, and you've got to get ready. So I believe that by having those classes helps those people to learn the Word of God. Because now they've got to study instead of just sitting there and let the preacher tell them everything. No, we've got a lot of classes and more people teaching. I believe it's good and healthy, and I want people to learn. And we have the, the men's Bible study, and then so all these men have to take time, turn once a month, speaking to the men. And so if they take the turns, each one of them, and you'd be surprised, they, they do a great job. I have been very impressed by just sitting there listening to some of these guys, and I think, man, that was good. Well, that was good. I mean, I've listened to Jay, uh, Jan, Jesse, and Peter, and Al, and Louie, and I get a chance, I like to listen to these other guys, Steve back there, and everybody has a different way of teaching, and they all have something different to teach, but it's all good. But now, is that better for them to do it, or should the preacher just do it all? I don't think so. Because you're supposed to listen and learn and grow. Well, how do you know if you are? Well, you've got to have something, so that's why we do it. See, now we have one ranch, and I think he says that we're running between 30, 35, 38 kids, something like that in the ranch. Is that right, Louis? something like that? And they're having a couple trusts the Lord, you know, just about every week. Now, listen, what if we had 10 ranches going? 10. Hey, I'm looking down the road. And then we had 10 ranches going, and every one of them had a couple. All of a sudden, you see how that multiplies? And then when we have camp, you see how big a camp we can have? And then you see what we could have as far as kids dedicating their lives to come to Bible college? See, we'll have like a soul-winning machine. The, there's people who are learning the clearness of the gospel so that they can present the gospel and win other people to Christ. And then lo and behold... They can get them to the little kids and then all the way up into Awana and then they next thing you know they're coming to ranch and then they come to camp and then they're dedicating their lives to the Lord to come to Bible college. Then when they come to Bible college, we want them to listen and to learn. A couple of those George boys came down here, went out Friday night soul winning. They had a break, went home, got a hold of John John and a couple of others and they went soul winning up there. Now they're doing it on Saturday night, I think. It's a Saturday night. Well, where did they learn? They're, they're because they watched somebody. And so they become, they become convinced, hey, we can do this. And so people learn, and they grow. And next thing you know, who knows where it's going to stop. Somebody told me the other day, they felt like it's not going to be long before the, the lid is going to blow off. That there's so much potential of what we can do with the radio broadcasts, the internet ministry, and with everything else that we got going on, wouldn't it be wonderful this fall if we could have 25 kids in college? Or 50 kids in college? What if we had 100 kids in college? Hey, you got to start somewhere. I said, we're not planting an oak tree. We're just planting little acorns. And then we're going to watch it grow. Little by little. Little by little. Learn how to handle all the problems. And we've had a few, but we're learning how to grow together. And now we think we're able, we can handle a few more kids now. And then a few more kids. 
because we learn how to work out some of the kinks, all the little things that goes on, you know, because there's so much. We don't want to just be choked down by the cares of this world that we cease to do what God wants us to do. So every person in the ministry, I want them to have a, a little niche, something that they can do to see what God can do for them and through them in the ministry. Because we don't want to just come and we sit and soak and sour. If you have both hands on the oars, it's hard to rock the boat. People that are busy doing what God wants them to do, well, they're too busy to get in trouble. If they wanted to get in trouble, they'd have to schedule it. And so this is why I want people to be found busy serving God. When he says, occupy till I come, it means stay busy till he gets here. Stay busy. Work for the Lord. Look down at the bottom of the page, and this is so important. Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, where he said, whom we preach, talking about Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ. So we want everybody in our church to be mature in the Lord. Don't you want that? Don't you want every teenager to become mature in the Lord? Every adult to become mature in the Lord? Well, all of us working together help feed that. And so that's why our testimony is so important. What we say, what we do, how we treat other people, all of it is so important. Because we never know how God's going to use somebody in the Lord. You know what was interesting? We sent out this uh, email that I just sent out about the ladies' tea. And, uh, and I've gotten some comments back, California, Texas, Colorado, and a few other places, you know. And a lot of them great comments. They really are. But this one girl, she wrote me, and she says, I am so proud of what you're doing. And she also said, I am so glad that you came across my path and sent me, encouraged me to go to Florida Bible College. She says, I met my husband there, but her and her husband came from our youth ranch and they had that long drive all the way down to Miami, Florida, from Colorado. And they got married. And she says that was 42 years ago. Isn't it wonderful seeing some fruit from 42 years ago? And then I got a couple letters from a couple of other people. A preacher wrote me, and I led him to the Lord. And he married that girl that I told y'all that when she came to college, she walked out of the door of the college, and she was standing outside on the sidewalk. And I walked out, and I looked over at her, and she was a blonde, a blonde. I says, are you staying out of trouble? She says, I've never been so out of trouble in all my life. <laughs> but she got married. Now she has kids that are older than what she was when I talked to them. You want the people to grow strong in the Lord. You want them to have a good family, to make wise choices about their husband or their wives, and then to know how to raise the kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, to doing that, see, you've got to know the book. 
and you want people to have good minds, good grounds so you can plant the seeds in their mind. You want them to be receptive of the word. Do you believe that people can come to church with a hard head? Do you think there's anybody like that? I mean, you don't know anybody personally, but I mean, you know that there's people who come to church and it doesn't matter what the preacher says, right over their head. You always say sometimes, you know, boy, that would have been good for so-and-so. I wish so-and-so had been here. That was a perfect sermon for her. Do you know, sometimes it might be just what you need as you listen week after week after week, and God has things he wants you to learn. Don't be a stony ground. You know, just very thin, small layer, no depth, no roots that are deep. Be good ground. Don't allow the briars and the thorns of this life choke out the fruit bearing that you ought to have in your life. You'd be surprised how much God would do for us. Look up here. Now this hand represents you and me. And if you notice, we always try to teach people how to do this little illustration. And if you noticed that when Freddie Cole did it the other night, you noticed he did it wrong. He said, let this hand represent you and me. And, uh, and God won't save nobody that way. You have to use this hand here. I'm just joking. Just this is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. Now God says that he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin, it's eternal separation from God, but God loves us. Wants us to go to heaven, and to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. And we cannot save ourselves, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. And by that I mean, this hand representing Jesus Christ. God in the flesh came into the world. Had no sin, didn't have to die. But he loved us. So he took all the sins of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. Said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account. Whosoever would believe it, they would not perish, wouldn't go to hell. But have everlasting life. We go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you never trusted the Lord, why not right now in the quietness of this moment say, Preacher, I don't understand everything, but I know I'm a sinner. And I believe when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven. And if you've never done so, would you do it right now? Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. That just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. If you're watching by internet, right where you are, right there on the screen, says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. We'd love to know, love to hear from you. And we just pray that you will trust Christ as your Savior. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for this time together and help us, Lord, to, to have good, good ground where we receive the word joyfully and it's nourished in our bodies so that we can accomplish something for you, that we can bear much fruit. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.